This episode of the Policing Matters podcast is sponsored by the Master of Science in Law Enforcement and Public Safety Leadership Program at the University of San Diego. Learn how this nationally ranked online program can help you be a force for change at san diego.edu/slash police one. You're listening to Policing Matters on PoliceOne.com. I'm your host, Jim Dudley. Well, over 2,400 law enforcement officers from around the country participated in a poll asking, what do cops want? Well, some of their answers were not so surprising, but some were revealing. Past surveys may have resulted in wishes for more pay or better benefits, But given today's environment, the answers tended to indicate that officers wanted more in terms of supervision and good leadership. There are so many leaders in the law enforcement field. Many have been guests on our own Policing Matters podcast, but I could think of no one to help sift through the poll to decipher what cops want and how we can accommodate many requests no better than our own Gordon Graham. Gordon Graham has been actively involved in law enforcement since 1973. He was a CHP motorcycle officer working in Los Angeles for most of his first 10 years, then served as a sergeant in the same office for most of his second 10 years. He spent the remainder of his career in various headquarters assignments, including assistant to the general counsel, executive assistant to the commissioner, and commander of the Office of Risk Management. He has taken this background in California Highway Patrol operations and coupled it with his education in risk management and his experiences as an attorney. He is the co-founder of Lexapol, a company designed to standardize public safety operations nationally. Currently, public safety personnel in all 50 states use Lexapol products and services. Gordon was the first recipient of the Governor's Award for Excellence in California Law Enforcement Training in 1995 and was the 2008 recipient of the Lifetime Achievement Award in California Law Enforcement. In 2005, he was awarded the Presidential Award for Excellence from the International Association of Fire Chiefs for his lifetime work in improving firefighter safety and performance. In 2017, he was awarded the Lifetime Dedication Award from the International Public Safety Leadership and Ethics Institute. In 2018, he was awarded the James Oberstar Sentinel for Safety Award for his lifetime work in improving aviation safety internationally. In 2019, he was awarded the Howard Rayon Distinguished Service Award for his work in improving the safety of wildland firefighters internationally. In 2020, he was hired as a strategic risk consultant for NASCAR, Gordon also serves as a professor of the University of Virginia Master of Public Safety Program, and he continues to speak and consult with law enforcement personnel from around the world. Well, welcome to Policing Matters, Gordon Graham. Jim, it's an honor to be with you today. Thank you for taking the time. And ladies and gentlemen, uh, viewing this, listening to this, thank you so much for all you're doing in advance. And I really hope this is worth your while. Well, I've been trying to get you on the show for a while. Personally, I'm a huge fan. I've attended several of your lectures, and I'm sure everyone listening has heard you say predictable is preventable. Could we predict what the respondents said to this survey? 
You know, when you honestly talk to street cops, and I still do that, uh, the answer is yes. The women and men out there doing the job, they're not stupid. They see what's going on. They're very aware of what's going on. And quite frankly, I was very impressed with the survey in terms of the comments of the uh, uh, respondees. Very, very impressive stuff. You know, in the past, as you indicated, worried about pay, worried about benefits, worried about this and this. Now, a genuine concern for improving the quality of our operations. You know, and I'll just digress for a second, Jim, and you made the mistake of inviting me to this, and I tend to digress on these things. I recently did a program for the Pennsylvania Chiefs of Police, and I started off with what I've been hearing from people around the country, uh, including some cops, but mostly non-cops. You know, it's Black Lives Matter. They're the problem. Nope, nope, it's George Soros. That's the problem. Nope, it's the liberal DAs. That's the problem. No, 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 no. It's the, uh, the anti-police establishment. It's the news media. And I said, you know, those things may be true, but we need to take a look at ourselves internally. We've got a lot of problems internally that we need to fix. And reading what the respondents said to this poll heartened me because they recognize it also. We've got problems inside. The way that law enforcement is running things currently, there is room for improvement. And I'm happy to see that respondents had a lot of very good ideas. So the answer to your question is, yeah, that was predictable and preventable. Smart people take a look at this stuff and they come up with the same answers that you and I came up with. We need some help. Yeah, so you know, of all the different things the officers brought up and, and some of their complaints, what surprised you the most? Well, what surprised me was the recognition that that first line supervisor is such a key portion of the organization. You know, on any given day, nobody knows where the commissioner of the California Highway Patrol is. Nobody knows where the, uh, the chief of New York police, police Department is today. Nobody knows where the superintendent of Chicago PD is today. Everybody knows who their supervisor is. And some cops will modify their behavior based on which supervisor is on duty. You know, when the cat's away, the mice will play. And these cops recognize this. We want, we need good supervision. That's the message I got. And that was very, very, very good for me to read that. I, I, I liked hearing that theme throughout it. Did you pick up the same, same feeling? Yeah, you know, I understood that, um, you know, they're just like you said at the beginning, that we tend to look at the, the reaction from external sources. But from within, you know, I think it's communication. And I think it's having a, a good supervisor who not only you know, does their own job, but models the behavior, doesn't do the do as I say and not as I do sort of uh, supervision that, um, you know, they want other officers held accountable too, right? I mean, the, the workforce, it's predictable that, you know, there's a lot of people doing their job, but then there's that small percentage that won't or don't or make the U-turns at the site of a collision in front of them. And officers appreciate it when supervisors call those guys in and say, hey, you know, do you know that you've got cops coming into your sectors doing your work while you're doing, you know, God knows what? Yep. And I think other officers appreciate that kind of supervision. Yep. Good, good cops welcome prompt, fair, impartial, consistent discipline. What they loathe is non-prompt, unfair, or partial discipline. And the, that first-line supervisor is such a key element. You know, if anybody ever accused me of being a good sergeant, I blame it on the sergeant I had for 10 years, Sergeant Jack Becker. 
This guy just figured it all out. He was all of the above. He rarely did I hear him responding from the office. He was always out in the field, you know, keeping an eye on people, doing the job with us. You know, he instilled confidence in personnel. You knew you could count on him. He was just a great guy all the way around. And I, whenever, when I became a sergeant and somebody said, well, how do you want to handle this? I would go back to the old WWJD. Well, what would Jack do? <laughs> you know, how would Jack handle that? You know, those good supervisors, uh, they're not few and far between, but we need more of them. And uh, I, 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 that first line supervisor, you know, the bottom line for me is you show me a tragedy in American law enforcement, including the things that are in the news today, the deaths, the injuries, the embarrassments, the loss of public trust, the lawsuits, I'll show you approximate cause of X. The real problem lying in wait all too often is a supervisor not behaving like a supervisor or in the alternative, a supervisor who tried to behave like a supervisor and got no support from management. If either of those is present in a law enforcement organization, that is a huge problem lying in wait and ultimately will lead to something that's not good for us. So yeah. the issue that we, we discussed prior to this on how do we select how do we train? How do we mentor? How do we develop the next generation of supervisors is so critical for everyone. Yeah. And you, you hit right on, you know, my next question about which of, of the leadership from the chief on down, which is the most important. And you hit on, you know, the direct supervisor, the sergeant who directly oversees that officer who can have such, you know, day-to-day -day influence. And, and also we talk a little bit about policies and, you know, the chief, command staff, you know, a group can put together a great, well thought out policy, but it can move its way down to that sergeant at roll call or sitting by his, his troops in a radio car to either push that policy forward by articulating why it's needed or by saying, hey, here's this policy, go ahead and do it if you want, but I think it's a dumb idea. They have that kind of influence. Yep, they sure do. The joke I used to tell when I was active is the California Highway Patrol, the pursuit policy they have is brilliant. It is brilliant. How do I know that? I wrote it. <laughs> and everybody would laugh. I said, it's properly designed and it's up to date. Then why do we get into so much trouble on these pursuits? Because no one follows the policy. And why don't people follow policies? Sometimes it's arrogance, sometimes it's ignorance, and sometimes it's complacency. And if you're that sergeant, you have got that affirmative obligation to proactively address the arrogant, the ignorant, and the complacent. In my long programs, I talk about Bud. Bud, does Bud work for you? Who's Bud? Bud is the employee who's absolutely convinced that department policies do not apply to me. I am Bud. And if you're really into this, if you can Google it or Wiki it or Bing it or Yahoo it, Czar52, czar 52 a terrible B-52 tragedy up in Washington State back in 1994. Uh, a pilot preparing for an air show crashed a B-52, killed four people, destroyed the warplane. And Dr. Tony Kern in his great book, Darker Shades of Blue, talks about Bud Holland. Everyone knew he was a rogue pilot, a reckless aviator, but nobody did a darn thing about it. You know, they ignored the arrogance, the ignorance, the complacency. And why don't we address these things? You know, for too many people in our business today, you know, if I take that employee on, they might file a complaint against me, you know, and I don't want any complaints filed against me. If I take the employee on, I get paid X. If I ignore the employee, I get paid X. So why take them on? And a lot of organizations and a lot of individuals 
mediocrity has replaced accountability and they're not taking people on. You know, those cops who responded, that was loud and clear to me. Hey, why aren't you taking these people on? Everybody knows they're not doing the job. Everybody knows they're the personification of arrogance, ignorance, and complacency, and yet no one does anything about it. And good cops want some action taken on that. Yeah, and you, I mean, you point out some really great uh, reasons for whatever lack of super, supervision or poor supervision. Um, it's so nuanced in, like you say, they get the same amount, whether they do great supervision or not. But I think there's also that tendency, especially among su new supervisors who want to be friends of their former peers. They don't want to be the one to correct them uh, or discipline them or uh, call them on poor behavior. Uh, that's another one. Um, but again, it's it erodes uh, the rest of the squad that's really out there doing a good job. And, you know, every time we see one of these, these awful uh, incidents in, in the media, um, when, when people outside law enforcement ask me about it, I always say that it, it'll probably come down to a root cause of poor supervision, poor training, poor supervision. Um, you know, we've seen it in, um, you know, uh, what was it called? Official negligence um, by uh, Cannon, who talked about the LAPD uh, Rodney King incident and how, you know, in training and supervision, the officers didn't perform well, and yet they were allowed to go back out uh, and, and get right into this situation. So uh, do you agree that that the supervision is huge in, in establishing some sort of parity among uh, the troops that you supervise. I mean, the general um, span of control is one to six, one to seven, maybe. Uh, how can a sergeant, it seems like all the comments coming back are about the sergeant who's, who's not paying attention to most of the crew. Or the perception they're not paying the attention because of a lack of communication. You know, when I was a sergeant, I modeled my sergeant, Jack Becker. I would have monthly meetings with my entire squad. Everybody worked that day. We'd have a meeting. What is our mission this month? What are we all about? How are we going to achieve it? You know, praise in public, discipline in private, pat people on the back, thank them for a good day's work. The number one complaint I get from cops around the world, Jim, and you've heard it. The only time I hear from my sergeant is when something's wrong. Well, we know that our people do a heck of a lot more right than they ever do wrong. Catch your people doing something right and take the time to document it. Ratify good behavior, encourage future good behavior. I know when you came on, you came on in the late 70s, if I remember. Do you remember the hats the CHP was wearing back then? We had taxi driver hats. And our skin cancer rate was unbelievable. Every other state police in the country, with the exception of New Mexico and Massachusetts, had the campaign hats, which afforded some protection from the sun. The CHP had the taxi driver hats and our skin cancer rate was terrible. So the union management got together and we decided we were to go to campaign hats. Oh no, you know, as you know, Jim, cops hate two things, status quo and change. So we went to campaign hats and a lot of cops did not want to wear the campaign hats. There was two types of sergeants, those who punished people for not wearing it and those who praised people for wearing it. Which one of you think you, which one do you think had a higher compliance rate? Praise uh, it. Wearing. Thank you for wearing your hat. Thank you for wearing your hat. Hey, thank you. I saw you wearing your seatbelt today. Thanks for that. I saw you direct the traffic today. Thanks for that. 
pat people on the back, re reaffirm what they're doing is good stuff, you know, and our people don't hear enough of it because my God, they're doing great stuff for us every day, day in and day out. And all they get is the negative stuff. A good sergeant's out there. You catch your people doing something right, take the time to document it on those very rare occasions where they're not doing it right. That needs to be addressed also. Yeah, I mean, you know, great minds think alike, I like to think. Uh, I wrote some of the exact same things that you just talked about, that communication seems to be the root key issue in this whole survey, keeps going back to communication. And supervision, again, is nuanced. And you can have that uh, supervisor who may, you know, use... Um, you know, humor as, as a way to convey a message. Some can convey it with a look or a stern, you know, grit teeth smile at you. Um, how does a supervisor um, determine what to use for their audience? Uh, it's nuanced, right? Correct. And don't try to copy somebody who's successful. It's got to be natural to you. You know, uh, you know, I'd like to get people laughing during briefing. You know, you get people laughing, they're paying attention. If they leave that room happy, I want happy cops out there doing a job. So I would make people laugh. And probably today, I'd probably be indicted for some of the things that we said back in the 80s, the early 80s. But, you know, I had them laughing. No, nothing offensive, grossly offensive, but you had people laughing. Other sergeants would try to mimic that, but they were not funny. You know, you've got to find what your strength is on how to deal with your people. You know, and just this, if I was a kid today, I, they'd have me on Ritland and Heroin, Jim, brains all over the place. Know your cops' names, know their partners' names, their husbands, their wives, you know, know their names, genuinely care about your people and watch what happens. I was a fearful that I would let my sergeant down. That's why I did things right. I, I never wanted to let my sergeant down because I knew he was there for me. Yeah, well, you know, I, I don't know if you coined the term, but I... I whenever I see you speak, you're a gesticulator, right? Your hands are all over, you're making these huge gestures. And I, I've, I tell my students, I call it edutainment, yep. right? So we're teaching them and we're entertaining them at the same time. But you're right, you can't go out and take somebody's shtick and apply it. It's got to be your own. Those are great tips for the new supervisor, somebody who wants to look at everybody in their squad. I want to ask you a little bit about um, the higher end of of administrative uh, management, like from the chiefs and command staff. But I wanna take a break uh, to acknowledge our sponsor. Do you wanna be a better leader? Who doesn't, right? The University of San Diego has created an incredible online master's degree specifically for law enforcement professionals. The Master of Science in Law Enforcement and Public Safety Leadership Program was developed by law enforcement for law enforcement, and it's consistently ranked as one of the best online programs in the country. Whether you're preparing for promotion or simply want to be the best leader you can be, the MS Lepsol program will help you be a force for change. Affordable, online, and endorsed by law enforcement. Learn more at sandiego.edu slash police one. And we're back and I'm speaking with Gordon Graham, police practices expert, co-founder of Lexapol and law enforcement veteran. Well, Gordon, you talked about uh, the frontline supervisors being so critical in, in our mission. Uh, Perf did a report a few years ago citing the largest number of chiefs leaving. Did that have an effect on morale? 
Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I think that cops like stability. And again, the change issue, geez, we're getting the new chief. How is she going to be? How is he going to be? What, what's going to change? So they're concerned about that. Uh, I, I wonder if the, the leaving, and I don't know enough data on this, Jim, if the, the mass exodus, which I call it, was caused by you know, a cyclical thing where people got hired all at the same time and they all reached retirement age at the same time, or if it had any relationship to all the goings on in the last couple of years uh, where police were under a tremendous amount of uh, heat from external sources. My guess is it was cyclical, most of it, but my guess is also some just bailed because they didn't really want to be that leader they thought they wanted to be. And when the heat got too much, they left. I imagine it's a little bit of that, but a lot of it was cyclical. But you know, this also when people leave, it gives an opportunity for these sergeants to move up to the lieutenant spots and those lieutenants to move up to the captain spots. So I, I like the uh, the ongoing change so that we can move up the great people who are going to change the world in the future. Yeah, I mean, certainly COVID played a huge part in it. The criticism, the national criticism, actually international criticism of, of the profession. When um, we saw some younger chiefs leaving too, um, the new chiefs coming in, um, it's up to them, isn't it, to establish themselves. Um, we've seen leaders like Carmen Best who, you know, pushed back against city councils who really wanted to ramrod a certain way of policing that she didn't agree with. She eventually left. But uh, are, do we have enough leaders at the, the chief command level that are pushing back to take care of the troops? You know, I've talked to a lot of chiefs of police over the years, and, and you were very close, you know, to your chief there in San Francisco. Um, I've, told, I've heard this from multiple chiefs. Gordon, if you need the money, don't take the job. If you need the money, don't take the job because city council, police commissions, depending on how your setup is, and you're pretty soon they're going to tell you to do something you don't want to do. You've got to have the ability to walk away. You cannot be dependent on that paycheck. So my hat's off to Carmen Best. I watched what she did. I said, holy moly, that was, you know, that, that took some bravery on her part and there was consequences, but she set the tone for so many organizations. You don't have to put up with this nonsense from city council. And she said, no, we're not going to do that. that. That is not for the good of our community. And that's what we're all about. You know, the, our, our primary goal in public safety and law enforcement in, in general, in particular, is preservation of life. And some of the things that you're advocating, that's contrary to what we're all about in preservation of life. I, I'm not going to put up with it. Okay, then you can leave. Okay, I'll leave. You know, uh, and, and good for her. Uh, it does take some guts to stand up to, to these people. Uh, it, you know, and there's more, I think the, 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 I see the pendulum swinging back to some form of normalcy. But right now, you know, if you're a chief of police, you've got to have a, a backbone on you where you can stand up and say, no, we're not going to do that. Yeah. And kudos to to those who stuck it out, because I, I agree with you. I, I do see that pendulum swinging back to at least normal. Um, huge ripple effects in poor communication by agency leaders from low morale, recruiting efforts. Uh, you reduce the proactive policing element. Uh, you're open to assaults on policies that may be really long-lasting, uh, long-term crippling effects to budgets. Uh, and then you lose that community support. Um, it allows critics to take over and sort of create your narrative for you when you don't speak up. Can we train our way to getting what cops want in leadership and, de 
and supervision? Can we train better leaders? I, I believe that it is possible, but I also think, you know, it's the old, uh, what is it? Uh, nature versus nurture, <laughs> you know, nature. I, I think that you can develop good leaders, train good leaders, but I also think that some people are just born with a skill set to allow them to, to be better at that than others. But I do believe you can train that. And, you know, the easiest training is watching people, watching people who do it so well and, and looking at their style and how they do things. And if you have a woman or a man in your department that you truly respect, you know, talk to him or her and, and develop that skill set and move up and, and be that supervisor that you want to work for. Exactly what you're saying. Uh, I understand about the, the training. Uh, we can do it. I love the idea of uh, lifelong learners and pushing a constant training message. I love your one minute messages that you push out on your videos. Uh, they're short, they're sweet, but they, they carry some impact. Uh, you often cite the fact that we have issues that may be high risk, um, low frequency or low ri uh, high risk, low frequency and variations of the two, right? What should leaders prioritize with line officers? What are, what are the things they need to concentrate to improve this communication? Core critical tasks is a phrase I, I throw around quite a bit. Uh, high risk, low frequency, no time to think. Assuming that your average cop does about a thousand different tasks, a thousand tasks, there's about 10 of those that are overrepresented in tragedy. And just take a look at the newspapers over the last couple of years, there's about 10. Uh, very risky, done very rarely with no time to think. Those are the ones that we need to focus on. Most of what we do is high frequency. You do it all the time. And as long as you're not arrogant, ignorant, or complacent, it's going to go right for you. The low risk stuff doesn't worry me because even if it goes bad, it's, it's inconsequential. I worry about high risk, low frequency events. There's two types of them, time to think and no time to think. When you have time to think, use it. When you have no time to think, those are the ones that need the constant ongoing training. You know, in the introduction, you mentioned, oh, we got some award from uh, the governor in 1995 for excellence in California law enforcement training. And I was the first recipient of that award from Governor Pete Wilson. And it was for that daily training program I built for the CHP, focusing on core critical tasks. Every day, a training day, focusing on the events that are overrepresented in tragedy. And I, I want that to start at the academy, a thread from a start a career through the FTO status. And you've been around a while, FTO. You know what, son? Everything you learn at the academy, forget it. Oh, give me a break. If that's an accurate statement, then our academies are all screwed up and they're not. We need to focus on those core critical tasks in the academy. That's gotta be complementary through the FTO process, the in-service training, the mandated training. We've got to focus on those core critical tasks because those are the ones that are overrepresented in tragedy. And that's, that's, that's my message to everybody in law enforcement. What are your core critical tasks? Things that are very risky, done very rarely with no time to think. Those are the ones we need to train on every day. Yeah, well, I think we both agree communication needs to be improved. Uh, training can be done to do that. Uh, how can our listeners find out more about your leadership training, your articles, and the today's tip lessons? Well, Lexapol.com uh, is the base for everything. Lexapol is uh, Fire Rescue One is part of the Lexapol family now. And uh, Law Enforcement uh, Police One is now part of the Lexapol family. 
So all the information is available through Luxable. We've got some great blogs, some really great webinars on there. And it's, it's an honor to be part of that organization. But that's where most of my stuff now is distributed. But of course, if anybody ever wants to talk about something, I, I love chatting with people because every time someone calls me, I learn something from them. So gram at lexable.com is the easiest way to get a hold of me. And I really enjoy talking uh, to cops and finding out what's going on. I had a nice conversation this morning with a state parks cop down here on my morning walk about the goings on in the state parks. And uh, it just, it's, it's always nice to talk to people. Well, thanks so much. Thanks for taking time. Thanks for being on the show and imparting some of your wisdom to our audience. Really appreciate it. Uh, have Thank you so much, Gordon. Well, I'm humbled to be part of this great organization. It started in 1973. If I had it all to do over again, Jim, I would do it in a heartbeat. This is a noble profession where every day we have the opportunity to make a positive change in somebody's life. Very few professions can guarantee that. Every day we have the ability to do it. It's an honor to be part of it. To all of you, good luck, good health, goodbye. God bless you. God bless America and work safely. That's great. Thanks so much. Hey, to our listeners, uh, if you're not listening to the Lexapol Daily Tip from, from Gordon Graham, check it out. They're great. Uh, you can use them at roll call trainings. Uh, just literally take a minute. Hey, if you're enjoying the show, let us know. Drop us an email at policingmatters at police1.com. That's policingmatters at police1.com. Let us know what you think. Uh, who do you want to hear from? What are the issues you want to talk about? Hey, take good care, be safe, watch your back, and we'll be checking in with you again real soon.